Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Norm Young, a Microsoft MVP and Director of Collaborative Analytics at Unlimited Viz, on the increasing importance of and focus on workplace and collaboration analytics and how they are changing the way we look at how people work. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Norm Young. He is the Director of Collaborative Analytics at Unlimited Viz. We're the makers of TyGraph. And uh, Norm, it's great to have you. Thanks, Christian. It's great to be here. I know we talk on a regular basis because we're involved in a bunch of stuff and community and and companies partnering together and doing other stuff. But why don't you give us like the, you know, the background, who you are, where you are, what you do, all that stuff. Cool. Thank you. Um, it's true. We do share a lot of things together. Um, um, there's the uh, the AMAs that we we do on, uh, yep. on the Buckley Planet um, site, which is always interesting for me to uh, participate in. But uh, one of the things that's interesting that uh, uh, I, di- I didn't know about you, but uh, I saw in one of the tweets is that we both have a love and appreciation for music coming out of the 80s. Oh, of and course. I, I'm Mr. New Wave. I do enjoy some New Wave. I also enjoy some of the original rap from that uh, that era. So I do find myself listening to Duran Duran often and thinking that there's someone else. There's one other person who's probably listening to Duran Duran as There's well. There's a lot out there. You know, they're about to get inducted. They're the the vote leaders for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But they've, I mean, they've sold like 120 million records. So it's just a matter of time before they get in there. But Absolutely. Well-deserved. But people aren't listening to hear about my, uh, uh, my appreciation for 80s music. Uh, again, my name's Norm Young. I'm in Canada. I'm 15 minutes to Niagara Falls that way. And I'm an hour that way to Toronto. Our great 51st state. I love Canada. Yep. Well, I'm glad you said that because we always look fondly to Canada South. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I work at a company called Unlimited Viz. Uh, not a lot of people have heard that name, but we make something called TyGraph. And TyGraph does adoption and usage analytics around how people are using the Microsoft 365 platform. And so how I ended up at uh, Unlimited Viz kind of is my backstory. And my backstory is that I started uh, in IT, gosh, almost 20 years ago. Oh, in fact, something else that we have in common. We both started working at Electronic Data Systems. Oh, hey. That's right. I remember you telling me that one. So I started at a company called EDS, and we sat in the General Motors plants supporting their operations. And I was a database administrator. And I went that route because I was able to work with the system administrators and work with the developers and sit in both worlds. And then after that time, I moved into education and continued to focus on data, ERP support, and then finally moving into analytics and doing some higher ed focused analytics. And because I was using the Power BI tools and I was getting uh, quite proficient there, I had the opportunity to help out with SharePoint. 
And so now I'm starting to shift over to the collaboration space. And again, I'm sitting in these two worlds where I'm able to work with the data, the analytics, the end users to make sure we're developing solutions that are meaningful to the institution. And I'm also working at, at you know, I don't want to say a lower level, but the, the value impact is high, but I'm working small scale at implementing and rolling out SharePoint, some of the power platform features that are there to, to bring in uh, team and, and, and uh, departmental uh, automation and, and adding value using those little tool sets. And again, living in two worlds. And then finally, I had the opportunity to uh, come to Unlimited Viz where I could take all of those experiences gained from uh, doing data and business intelligence married up with that Office 365 experience that I was gaining at the university um, and bring them together into a role where I can uh, talk to the developers on the, the Tigraph team to try and uh, represent the voice of the customer as a former practitioner, to try and help them understand what the tool uh, should give them to achieve some of their outcomes. So, you know, I'm, there's a lot of smart people on that team. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost like standing on the shoulders of giants, but that convergence um, of, of not just data, but transforming all that data, the telemetry that we're getting and turning it into information that helps those communication managers, those internet managers, those adoption change management people inside of Office 365. So I find myself at a, a very interesting place uh, of employment. We're working on something that uh, uh, speaks to me uh, on many levels. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey to get here. But the, the reoccurring theme for me is never one camp, just sitting between multiple camps as a, as a bridge, as a, um, as a way of understanding how the others work, because they ultimately they do need to intersect. It's been interesting that because uh, because my you know going back to the EDS days, then the phone company after that, I worked for Pacific Bell. Was I was in the data warehousing side of things, so I actually I worked with EDS Medical, so um, there in in the Sacramento area, Rancho Cordova specifically. Um, but the yeah, for so many years my life, I was surrounded by DBAs in these massive data sets. And we say massive data sets. I always joke that this huge project where we were upgrading hardware and upgrading all of the front end analytics tools, so business objects and a bunch of SaaS modules and a bunch of proprietary stuff, all on the front end of these massive databases. One of them was, um, was, uh, I just remember this this one database that was huge. It was around 800 gigs. That's how long ago this was. And when we were going to be done with the project, it was going to be 1.4 terabytes. Like, oh. oh my gosh. Like I have an eight terabyte music external drive hooked up to my PC right now. I mean, so that's not, nothing. But it's like in the early 90s, it was a big deal. But you know, with with... With all that data that's on there, surrounded by DBAs, as I my experience moved into hosted collaboration into SaaS platforms, and it was likely just because of the nature of the, my a lot of my work went more towards the front end and customer focusing, but all the DBAs seemed to disappear. All the people that managed and analyzed that data that were so critical to my roles in in these uh, the telecom companies.
like went away. And I used to ask that question. It's like, where are all the DBAs? And in the Microsoft ecosystem, there really weren't DBAs in the same way that there were back in the in my IBM and the Unix world yes. of data warehousing. And that has been a major shift where right. organizations have said, because um, I think Microsoft is a great example of this, where they were in the early days of Office 365, they cared about selling licenses and renewing enterprise agreements, signing new EAs or renewing those. And as those massive contracts came up for renewal and SharePoint and Office 365 and kind of everything underneath that were part of those EAs, these huge companies were like, we don't see the value. We're not going to renew that. We we have 100,000 licenses. Well, maybe 10,000, 20,000 we'll renew for. And Microsoft went, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? And the company saying, it's like, we don't see people actually using this stuff. And so suddenly in the early 2010s, Microsoft realized that adoption and engagement, understanding what people are doing, whether they're being successful on them and are, there, are they actively engaged in the technology is actually important. Absolutely. And that's where it puts like what you guys are doing, like right in that sweet spot. It's absolutely true. A lot of people will, or a lot of organizations, excuse me, will simply want to, to quantify their, their investment that they've made in a lot of those licenses. You know, think of a very large multi, uh, multi-location uh, corporation and they went out and purchased a bunch of E5 licenses. Massive investment. Um, they need to make sure that people are using the tools they're using them with the degree of maturity that's appropriate for the organization. And the Microsoft reporting is, is good. It's, it's, uh, but it doesn't paint the whole picture. And um, at the end of the day, a lot of the, the data that's being collected, uh, it's not information. Yeah. Data well, must describe that difference there because that, because that is a salient point. I actually worked with a company in 2000, 2001. And when I left uh, another company and went back in and was doing some consulting, worked with them again, was in the project and portfolio management technology, but they would always position themselves like, no, we're not a project management tech company. We're a decision support company because their value add that they claimed was that we can take all of the project activities and actually help inform you on what decisions you need to go and make. And, and decision support or DSS is a, it's kind of an older term. Yep. And, and the, the modern day equivalent is, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Are those rich business intelligence, uh, solutions that we see out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you were describing the, the, was it 800 gigabytes of the, the database? So massive, I know. Massive, right. Compared to the multimedia, maybe, but I still look at, you know, a telephone book knowing that it can fit into a floppy drive. Yeah. And so how much data can we really put into those, those 800 gigabytes? And it's, it's a massive amount. 
But so what? It's just a number. It has no context. It has no meaning. There's been no shaping of it to help either answer that question, those analytic questions that people pose, or to, to, to tell the story or the journey of an organization. And so context becomes everything. Context, maybe over time, you know, to, to see that cumulative effect of your actions. Uh, context around geography. You know, are we talking a worldwide company? Are we talking something that is simply siloed to a, a, a single location? Yeah. Well, what about the, the organizational structure? You know, like the, that HR hierarchy that might exist in our different organizations. And so now you, you start layering on that information. You have more context to know who they are, where they are, when things happened. And then you can start using some of that other data as a reference point. Not everyone's got a KPI. KPIs sound great. Everyone likes to say it. Go ask your organizational leaders what their KPIs are, and they're probably not going to know. But what you can do is show a comparison. This is how you did today. This is how you did yesterday. Expand the scope. This is how you did the first 30 days. This is how you did the last 30 days. Now you're starting to give reference points. And so now you're starting to give information that you can hopefully act on. And you know, now we're, we're responding because there's so much data. We're, we're moving into this new era of artificial intelligence where people are doing predictive analysis. And like this is the, the territory of those, those genius mathematicians who are figuring all of this stuff out. And it's like, now we know what you might be doing instead of what you have just done. And so it's, it's really interesting because uh, data is not information. Uh, information is, is are things that we're able to uh, take meaning from and then hopefully act on it. But something that's interesting, and you touched on it as well, is that now that uh, Microsoft is more mature, organizations have moved along with them on that maturity scale, and we're getting insights into how people are using the tools, it seems like now we're making this shift to focus on the experience. Okay, great. My employees went to a SharePoint page or great. My employees participated in a Teams meeting. Well, great. But how is their experience using those tools? Are they getting the most out of it? So Norm, you just pointed out one of the problems that it was uh, trying to figure out, you know, like the, the, the way to kind of insert this idea, like uh, the, let me just pose the question first and I'll circle back is, are we too reliant on the data that is in front of us? Here's why I, I asked that question that way is because uh, in my experience, far too many KPIs are wrong. They're looking at the wrong thing, the wrong measurement. And then I see managers, the mistake is that because there's a KPI there, without fully understanding how it's calculated, what data goes into it, what do I need to glean from that, use from that to go and make a decision, to go do something as a manager. I look at the data 100% and move based on that. And my philosophy has always been that like the data, the analytics, it's, it should inform you. It's not the answer 
to the questions for ma for managers. I should look at that and based on that, have a conversation because I've personally seen in data-driven organizations, wrong decisions being made where going and then having a discussion with the individuals, understanding the outliers that are skewing that specific mm -hmm. data set, uh, that slice of time. And so that's why I always say that it's not a slice of data at any point of time that will not paint an accurate picture. It's the movement of that data over time. Is it moving in the right direction? Is it trending up or down? Do we see the cycles around that? Because when you get into granular data, let's go look at, let's go talk to employee X and find out what's going on and find out it's like, oh, well, they were sick that whole week. And so they were limited, like logging in and doing stuff. We're working from home, but they knew, were known that they were not as active. It wasn't a drop in performance. It wasn't a drop. Well, it was, but it was, you know, here's what was actually going on. It, it, are we over-reliant on data? Is it telling us sometimes, you know, the, the wrong things because we're so reliant on what we see being the truth? Right. And I, I would suggest that maybe it is just uh, a narrowed focus, a narrowed view on what the situation truly is. So you're looking at probably a very good subset of information. Uh, you hear it all the time with people saying they want a 365 degree view of their customers or their, their organizations and uh, rarely that, that KPI or that, that narrowed view encompasses that whole picture. And so these things generally should be used to inform part of the decision-making. Um, so you're saying that's not, the analytics are not tarot cards. They can't tell the future. <laughs> no, that, that, that's for other people to, to say, but, you know, uh, here's an example. Uh, an organization is invested heavily into their SharePoint intranet, and that's great. Um, one of the, the key success measures is they, they want to see uh, high activity on that SharePoint site. Well, here's a way to short circuit that. Make the, the default homepage for everyone's web browser, the internet homepage. So boom, I've just artificially inflated the visits to that site. Does that mean that I'm conveying good organizational information that is meaningful to my users? Or does it just load and they instantly click off? And now they've created a culture of tuning out the internet. People are funny in that when they understand how they're being measured, they optimize their activities to do, or they, they change their activities to optimize their performance against that metric. That's right. And it's almost like you're gaming the KPI. Right. The gamification. Is, I'm pursuing it. And it's, a, it's a great way to describe it because that's exactly what it is. And it's human nature. It's not like people are yeah. doing something wrong. Nope. You, you study to pass the test, right? Right. <laughs> If my boss said that my performance was tied to doing X number of units of work, I'm going to optimize to do X number of units of work. But what's the outcome? What is the experience? And so 
earlier we were talking about the employee experience and we're hearing a lot of it you know there's some commercial taglines about what it should be and what it is and ultimately it comes down to how a um, ultimately, I believe it comes down to how an organization wants to work. And so a better experience than just artificially inflating the internet counts, or maybe to ensure that the content is relevant to the employees and it's engaging, make the internet part of the employee experience accessible information for me, not information about something or someone that's not relevant. So it's curtailing these things and trying to use that data that you can translate into information to optimize that experience. And we're seeing it everywhere, right? Like employee experience is everything. Yeah. Well, and another part, isn't it all equally important to anonymize a lot of that, that data? So people aren't looking at, they can't see, hey, I went and tweaked this thing about my own activity to change this, that it's, it's spread across the smaller groups so that it is picking up, it's measuring more of the, you know, the, the, the general themes and activities uh, and, and painting a clear picture of what is happening broadly across the organization right. versus skewed by one crazy individual who sleeps four hours a night. And, <laughs> yeah. Yes, outliers are are always a concern in in data. Um, sometimes, you know, ultimately you have to track at that lowest level of activity. You know, did you open a file? Well, you need to track that to roll it up into a higher aggregation to know where, how many files you read that day, or how many people in your your department read that file. So, that part of data analysis for what we do. It can be scary it, seeing the files you touched, the file names that you created, things that you may have searched for. It's not intended for general consumption. It's it shouldn't be because it could, you know, it can be uh, can be scary. It can be uh, misinterpreted and 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 used for the wrong reasons. And so there's a there's a fine line between what to collect, uh, what privacy to respect, and so you. Uh, find we find many organizations uh, uh, they'll take a, their analytic solutions like Tigraph and only selected individuals would see that information they have the right controls in place to to ensure that they're making the right decisions and they're they're only looking at the right data and then uh, you know as as stewards of their data uh, our company in turn has to make sure we have the right controls in place that we allow people to opt out of data collection or things like that. It's like you have to have that balance between respecting privacy and seeing those general trends. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to collect at that lower level. And it's uh, it's interesting. So I, I've come from data a very long time working in data with this, this evolution finally towards in analytics. But I found that this, this move to the collaboration space using Office 365, uh, so rewarding. And a lot of it is because you're, you're able to work on a, a small and rapid scale of, of helping people uh, with the tools that they have at, at hand. And so uh, even though I've got this large data background, I just I find myself so interested in what I can do with a Microsoft list. How can I extend... Uh, that functionality using things like the Power Platform. And so 
as I'm sitting between these camps of data and collaboration, and now even into, into the power platform, I look at the space and it feels like there's a, uh, a almost like an artificial barrier between uh, office apps and services and the business apps and the power platform. And, and, I, and I do wonder, and I'm curious to know what you think as well is, will there be a time when it's not separate camps and that experiences is that I'm just using Teams Office 365 Power Platform as a homogenous experience and not just I'm in Dynamics or I'm in Teams or I'm in my list. How do you feel about that? Yeah, there was a lot of talk about that with the rebranding of with my, the creation of Microsoft 365. Like, were we starting to see a blend of Office 365? Because it's for folks that don't know, it's like it's just a skew. It's it's Windows, Windows 10, now Windows 11 with Office 365 and some other security components and things that are, you know, critical for that, you know, that, that user's ecosystem. Um, but that was a, was it more than just marketing and were we going to start to see that blending of those different activities? So, and, and I think you could even broaden that and say, even from with like the integrations into LinkedIn and the search experience and LinkedIn and, and integrated into your desktop. And so I, I think it will become where I go into my profile and I might have multiple profiles based on different roles, but where I log into Windows and the default, the things that are part of my uh, Windows experience are into your know, teams is the workplace is the main primary hub for that the various mm -hmm. tools and things which are in the toolbar and they all just work and are security trimmed based on the profile that the, i log into and for like all the community things that i do and i'm out on the microsoft community server uh, for teams or i'm i have client or other like my personal tenants i switch profiles and move over and it changes them the tool set will change the access rights and permissions will change but it's all part of that one system rather than now having to drive everything through going to open up another browser instance or have different profiles set up it's a bit disjointed i do think it'll become more fluid intentional use of that phrase as well uh, yes uh, yeah but uh uh, you know, with, with everything that's going on for folks that don't know, I'm referring to the fluid framework and now Microsoft loop and, and that's like a whole different thing, but it's, you know, what's interesting though, is that I spent so much time in the late nineties and early two thousands project and portfolio management. So much of that was trying to, is chasing people to update their status on tasks and projects in as close to real time as possible, knowing mm -hmm. that if I'm like, it was frustrating uh, to, when you find yourself uh, as the person in the project portfolio management space, chasing people to update, like at the end of a week or end of two weeks being like, you've been working on this project. You had a dozen different tasks. How long did it take you on each of those tasks? Because we're trying to improve the process and people at the end of it are like, oh, I don't know, four hours on that one, seven hours of that one. It's like, okay, this data is crap. Yep. Like there's no value in what we're trying to do with this. You need to, at the very least on a daily basis, 
add in your hours for projects and, and things rather. Anyway, and then, move, and moving then, from that into product management roles where we were looking at the telemetry coming back from the data. What are people actually using? What are people clicking on? And making decisions about what features we would go and develop based on that activity and what people are actually using and starting to tap into later into the uh, you know the, the vote up vote down on features to right. to crowdsource you know ideas of new features and things like that's where I started to really understand the importance of analytics. Microsoft also recognized that and they did two things. One I don't fully agree with is that they got rid of tons of their SDEs. So their, their analytics, their, 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 their tester, tester roles that they got rid of or transformed a lot of those into you're building something and testing should be part of the way that you work and then hiring analytics people. Hmm. And, uh, and so it just, uh, so one, I mean, we can argue on the software development principles of whether you have somebody separately looking at QA um, and, uh, and going back and testing solutions versus uh, the engineers, the software developers should be incorporating those testing practices into their iterative development. It should be part of the way they work. You don't need a separate person going and doing that. Yes. You can get into a methodology, religious discussion there. I yeah, you are it. absolutely. But <laughs> you were you were bringing up a, a very interesting example, and you were talking about uh, how, as a project manager, at, every week or so, you would ask your people to update their their activity, chase them, hitting them with a stick. Correct. Yes. And so, the experience now, I would like you, project member to go to the project solution over there and update your information and submit it, then let me know. And that's, I mean, that's how I've probably worked most of my career, but don't we have this wonderful opportunity now where we can have something go to the user with the opportunity to put in the status updates and put in their time and send it back without ever having to context switch over into those other systems. And uh, like you said, the value is doing it every day with small investments in time. So as you describe it in my head, I'm thinking, oh, well, I've got Power Automate and it's going to reach out to you and it's going to send you an adaptive card where you set the status, put in your hours, any notes. And it's going to send back to my project management system. And I haven't interrupted you to a great extent. I haven't uh, made even, mundane work for you. Even and now that it's not just a status update. It's like you send me the workflow. I sign it. I approve. Is this complete? Yes. And then it marks that it's done. I don't even have to go do the status. Right. It just becomes in the flow of work. And so in this, I see this, this opportunity to bring Microsoft 365 and our, our traditional collaboration platforms like Team SharePoint, marrying them up with something like the Power Platform to bring value back to you, the project manager or the project team member. And then now you move up that value chain. 
Um, and, and I think that's the one of the greatest things that we can do as as advocates or evangelists in that space is to try and get people higher up the value chain with those tools that they've bought. And I think that's one of the things I find so attractive about Microsoft 365. And that's why I kind of, you know, I don't know how many years ago it was, I made that a bit of a soft transition over to the collaboration space because I was enjoying it that much for, for those types of things. So you tie this all back. We've been talking about data. We've been talking about that transformation to information and we're both in this collaboration space. And, you know, we also have our, our neighbor power platform uh, and, and bringing those together and hopefully we can make a more improved user experience where it's not a contact switch or going logging into a different system. It's like you said, uh, we all have different personas that we use in our, in our IT tools. So I open up my work profile, everything is pushed to me, I do the work. Uh, I don't have to log into all these different systems. I know it sounds like utopia, but it is, it is within the realm of possibilities that we can do that. I'm doing a, a personal venture or one of our MVP uh, activities, I contact switch or profile switch into that, that activity and I don't have to flip around. I think it's a great place to be. And it's, it's not about the tools at this point, it's the experience that I don't have to have all this friction just to go into the Avpoint tenant or the Microsoft tenant. It's just less friction. Let me get over there and do the actual work. Let me collaborate, let me work. You know, one of the features that I want to like more if it worked more the way that I think it's supposed to work, but is the idea that when when I go into um, um, when I go into File Explorer, I'll simplify it. When I go into File Explorer, one of the frustrating things about File Explorer is that if I'm if I'm working in um, or any of the office applications, when I go in to save it, by default, I would expect that it would, if I go and open a project, a file, a document from a specific location in my folder structure that I've created, when I go to save, by default, it should be to the place where I opened it from. I shouldn't have to navigate back through. And you're smirking at that, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly what you mean. Because I think that that is actually gives you insight into what, because uh, I was going to ask that next question, Norm, like what gaps need to be filled? How do we, what's the next step to get us to where we need to be to have that blended experience? Because I believe one missing piece today and for that integrated experience, if I, if the system already knows my profile, knows my security, has a security trimming, all of those in place. If I'm in there working, we're collaborating on a project, and I say, you know what, I want to go and create a workflow to automate this thing that I'm working on. I want to if immediately open up the tools to build. It should recognize where I am, what we're doing, where we're interacting. And by default, it should say, you want to create a workflow in this place where we are currently working, not start you at the bottom and have you navigate all the way up and through. I mean, this seems like a, like, wow, how lazy can you be that you have to go and navigate in the file where you want to open things and go and work in where you want to deploy a solution and build it. But that's part of what needs to happen as we're building these 
immensely complex uh, environments. And having that, the ability for the tools to recognize who I am, yes, where I am, now that I want to switch context of what I'm doing in that space, but that set it up, remove all of that footwork of getting me back into that location so that I can go and build that solution. Very interesting. I was smirking because I've experienced it as well. Microsoft apparently wants me to use OneDrive more than my local uh, file <laughs> system. And, right. and I honestly can't tell if that is a safeguard, a guardrail, which I'm okay with, that's like a best practice. I don't know, one out of five times where I'm just like, where the hell did I just save that thing to? And I have to go back and resave it because I can't find what I just completed and saved because I wasn't paying attention to which directory, which folder it stuck it in. Anyway. Or is, or is someone artificially bumping up their files added to OneDrive metric? Like in the previous story, I was saying, you yep. know, you put the internet homepage as the, the default page for the browser. I don't know. But it would be nice in this future state, utopia, whatever we're going to call it, that whatever we're working in can respect how we work, can respect our experience and let us work in that boundary. So if the experience is that it's, it's a better um, user experience to be in the file system, creating that project file that you, you mentioned, it would be great that it could retain the starting point information. And again, if I, if I went to that online experience and initiated a like project, that I remember that I started there. And I know that's incredibly complicated to, to implement on the technical side, but we are talking about this desired state. And so I know I face friction in moving to different personas in my own work and personal life. Uh, switching teams, for example, into a different organization can be you know, a minute, hey. two minute long exercise to. It works on your phone though, Norm. I can do it pretty quick and easy on my phone. <laughs> uh, yes. Can you retrieve the content in a timely manner on your phone is a different question. Yeah. And so just the ability to move between environments and to respect boundaries and to understand how I work would be a great state. Now, do we get that by, I have a dog, by the way. We'll pause for a second. Someone is daring to walk by the front of my house and my nine pound dog is quite upset by that. Anyway, uh, as the lines blur between Windows and Office 365 and Power Platform, uh, hopefully there's opportunities for these experiences to, uh, to be more seamless and frictionless to the users. And hopefully all that telemetry that they're collecting, uh, all those analytics that they're, they're deriving and the, they are honest, Microsoft is honestly making a, a, an investment in understanding the people experience. Marrying those all up together should get us into a situation where we focus on work. We focus on the value, not the mechanics of working. Where did I save that file? Is it on my file system or is it in OneDrive? Like, remove that barrier. Let me just work on the file. 
and moving up that value chain is probably the best use of their time with these types of tools and solutions. I think we're just now, uh, and this is a great topic. Really appreciate you you uh, you joining me today. I, I think this is one of those things where we're just scratching the surface of really understanding what this data means and what we should be doing with our organization. We could probably do a whole part two where we dig into just that aspect mm -hmm. of it. But I know it's something that it's, it, so it's great to see it's, it's new to so many different organizations that are, especially in this era of the great resignation where companies are uh, saying it's like, okay, we do need to look at the, you know, the, the health and well-being of our employees and what can we provide as an organization to help make that as a, a supportive and empowering organization to not constantly get in the way of our employees getting work done because that's a whole nother issue yeah yeah there's a lot of sub issues that are underneath that we need to uh yeah well i think we need to have a like a psychologist on board for some of these discussions around analytics uh to to get into the meat of things but norm really appreciate you taking the time to talk today and i know we're, we're going to be on you know, at least one or two other calls this week together. So, uh, well, I really appreciate the time and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Christian. Pleasure being here as always. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening. Hungry for more great content? You have to check out the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Ducks Raymond Sai, Chief Brand Officer at AppPoint, and I sit down to chat with top business leaders and IT professionals about their most challenging modern workplace projects. Tune in to hear real-life advice from industry peers on making plans and pivots, casual conversations exploring the latest trends in collaborative Microsoft 365 technology, and easy, actionable strategies to make organizational change happen. Subscribe to the Shift Happens podcast today, available on all major platforms. Can't wait to see you there. Shift Happens podcast.